Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Father, we give you the praise and the glory. For you are God over this earth. You are God over us. And Father, we serve you. And as we serve you, you care for us. You watch over us. And we never lose sight of what's going on. So, Father, we thank you for the victory that we walk in. We thank you for the God that we serve. That there is nothing on this earth that Satan could ever create that is greater than our God. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While we're in prayer together here, let's just uh, lift up our country and the people in it. Father, we just thank you that you love this country. Many people try and come up with causes and reasons for why things like this occur. But Father, we know from the Word, which is our source, that even when Israel missed God and opened themselves up to a plague, that while that plague was going on, the intercessors went into gear, Moses and Aaron, and they stood in the gap, and that plague was stopped. Which tells us that plague, even though they were disobedient, did not come from you. Because you were the one who stopped it. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We pray right now for our country. I know that there are things that we have done that are very grievous to you. But still, you are our deliverer. And just as you delivered Israel out of the things that they had gotten themselves into, you are here to deliver us. Amen. So Satan, we come against you and everything that you would bring against this country, Amen. this world, yes. the people in it. You cannot bring your sickness and disease and stand before the blood of Jesus Christ. For we are set free from the curse of the law. We are set free from the foul things that you would bring. We are not under your domain. We are under God's. Father, I pray for those that have come in contact with this disease. Some of them are suffering very much. But as they look to you, healing is theirs. I give you the glory and the praise for you are our God. I thank you for how much you greatly love us. Father, we do not walk in fear. We walk in faith. With our head held high. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, for those joining online, we have a lot more joining us online than usual today. Uh, much of our church is, is at home. Thank you. But yes, we are here. We are here legally. I have checked out all the governor's comments and things that are, are put on. So I know that some people are making comments on Facebook saying you're not supposed to be there and all that sort of stuff. But no, we checked it out. And um, we want to make sure that we are in, we're going along with what we can do. There's many larger churches that have more people in their skeleton crew than we have here right now that are putting on an online service and uh, helping, their, helping their people out that way. But I thank God for the encouragement we get from each other and the encouragement we have from, from you all here. 
Well, the children are sticking around on this side with us today, so it's good to have you here. If you would turn over in your Bibles, we're going to be over in the the book of Genesis, and we're going to be over in the book of Romans. Today we look at a great man of faith and how he had such difficulty following the word of the Lord to him. And if he, being a great man of the faith, having a great calling on his life and having accomplished great things for God, if he had difficulty following the things that God had told him to do, how much can we learn from his walk to overcome? He was given four simple commands. Four. He messed up on three of them. But God kept working with him. He didn't shut him down. And what was really interesting is to see in the story what God was still able to flow to him in his disobedience. Because sometimes we get the idea that once we miss God and once we're disobedient that everything cuts off. And yet, in the story, we'll find out that God flowed as much to him as he could even though he was in disobedience. In Romans chapter 14, verse 23, it says, But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. <clears throat> Last couple of weeks, we've been looking at assumptions. That when I know from the Word of God that I can do something, that I can step into an area, that it's within the borders that God has given me, within the boundaries then I have faith for it because God has said, Steve, do this. Steve, don't do this. He's told me those things, so I operate within those, those uh, framework. I can operate with faith. But what the enemy tries to get us to do is to see areas that are not defined and to check them out. Let's just see what we can do over here. Don't you want to come over to this side? Don't you want to come over into, into doing such things as this? And so... Assumptions are made, and that's when we get into trouble. We gave you the definition of an assumption, a conclusion reached with incomplete information, and an unwillingness to ask questions to fill up the information lacking. I don't want to ask anybody. I just draw my own conclusions. Just come to the, to the reason. And once we get an assumption in, you try and find a single time in the Word of God, but even try and find it in your own life. Once we bring an assumption into our life, we are deceived. And we are operating under the power of that deception. There's not a single time that you have not brought assumptions into your life that you have not also brought the deception. Now think of it this way. I'll give you an example. How many times have you been maybe in a work situation? school situation and you could see some people talking and they glanced over your way. What happens on the inside? They're, ta they're talking about me. From that point on, any change in their behavior is a direct result of that conversation. And yet, you do not know what that conversation in involved, what it was about, or what conclusions were reached. 
But you have already come to that conclusion because you've made an assumption. So when that person comes up to you, you are now suspicious. You are now distrustful. It's not based on fact. It's based completely on what I think, what I feel, and what I've assumed. And until I get rid of that assumption, that deception, my relationship with that person won't ever be cleared up. Every time you bring an assumption in, you cloud the boundaries for which God wants you to operate and you cloud the directives He has given you. So, Genesis chapter 3. We're going to cover a couple of chapters here today, but they're short. Now, last week we were looking at the storm. We saw how they went from faith to fear. They made the assumption, Master, don't you care? And that caused all kinds of problems. Jesus never even addressed their question. We also addressed the idea of precautions. It's okay to take precautions. Paul was let down through a wall. The spies hid in Rahab's house. It's okay to take precautions on things. But do it in faith. Don't do it in fear. So, chapter 11 of Genesis in verse 30. Then Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. And so the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now keep that in mind. It's really important we go back and get those couple of verses because it helps us understand the next couple of verses in chapter 12. If you just started in chapter 12, you would, just, you would miss some things. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Now, really easy question. I'll ask this of Mia. If your mom had said to you, do your homework on Friday. Is that something that you should do today? Is that something she's going to tell you today? Or has she already done it? If she said on Friday, if she had said on Friday to do your homework, is that something that she is saying today? <laughs> we're, not, we're not sure on that one. If I am saying to you right now, Hi, Mia. I am speaking that to you now. If I said to you last Sunday, Hi, would I have said it or would I am saying it? Have. Past tense. Past tense. Now, I want you to notice in, in chapter 11, who left Ur? Terah left Ur. Who did God speak to? Abram. Why if Abram got the word, is Terah the one leaving? Now look at the word that was given to him. Simple word. Four things. Four things to do. This is it. Get out of your country. What is his country? Ur of the Chaldeans. 
from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, will, is that past, present, or future? That means at the time that he leaves, he does not know where he is going. But he knows what he is to leave from. And he knows what he is to leave. Leave your father, father's house, your family. I want you to leave them. And yet in chapter 11, it's the father who gathers him, Lot, the wives, all the stuff, and they make this trek. And they go up to a place called Haran. Could you pull up our map for us? I'm going to give you a little bit of a visual here in case uh, this is new to new to you. This is Ur of the Chaldeans down here in the lower right corner. They go from here all the way up to Haran. And then they come all the way back down over here to get to Israel. Now, when you look at that map, how many of you would think, why don't we just go this way? And if you were to look at that, you'd say that's the shortest of distance. However, you have to look at the map to understand why God took them the way he did. He did not just take them the longest way just to take them the longest way. What things did they bring along with them when they left Ur of the Chaldeans? People, animals, cattle. What do they need? Water. Do you see any rivers here? It is dry as a bone. So what they did, God had them follow the Euphrates River. And they went all the way up to Haran. There's also a possibility they went out towards Nineveh to follow the Tigris, because it doesn't exactly tell us the, the path. But they followed one of the rivers and they came up to the place of Haran. And that's where they stopped. Why they stopped in Haran, we don't know. It doesn't tell us. We know that's not the destination. The destination is still down uh, further to go. They didn't know it was Canaan, but that's where he's going to take them. So when they get there, it would seem that something happened to dad. Either he's just too old and can't make the trip, or he got sick, hurt, something. We assume that it's, it's with the dad. It may have been with somebody else in the party as well. Now let me read a few more verses here before we, we're going to come back to some of this. Let's read the rest of the word of this over. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So he had four things to do. Get out from your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. God's list was longer. He has two I will makes. He has two I will bless. He has one I will curse. And two, you will be a blessing. So God is busier than he is. He's got four things. Now, if you are the enemy of faith, and you know from the promises of God that God has targeted Abram for a blessing. He can hear the word. He has targeted Abram for blessing. Well, if God has targeted him to do something great, what do you think the enemy wants to do? We got to keep him from it. If God wants Abram out of his homeland, what would you do if you were the enemy? Try and make him stay. That's the first thing on the list. 
If he doesn't do the first thing on the list, he can't do the rest of them. Now, I want you for a moment, because understand, we only have a few verses on this. It isn't just that God came to him one day and said, hey, do this, and then, bang, the next day they're packed up and gone. When you get a word like that from God, that is life-altering, and you were going to take yourself and move yourself out, probably what you are doing is mulling over the word. Mulling over it. To, you know, I, is this really God? Is this really something I'm supposed to do? It's got to be you know, kind of going over it. But why does God single Abram out? Of all the heathen in the world. I like that one better. That's not how God works. Somewhere along this line, as Abram is growing up, as Abram is developing, is going along, he begins to become dissatisfied with the idolatry of Ur of the Chaldeans. And he begins to look out for something else. And God reveals himself to him. And in God revealing himself to him, he begins to reject the idolatry and serve God the way that he's telling him to. Now, if you make that kind of a life-altering choice to where you are no longer worshiping the idols you used to worship, you have changed your mode of worship, you have changed the object of your worship, you're not going to the same places that everybody else wants to. If this is how you are conducting your life, people around you are going to notice. And I think that as he was going along, that changes began to go on in Abram. Now, how many of you can think back to when you first got born again? Can you think about some of the changes that God brought into your life? Did you become a more pleasant person? Did people like to be around you more? People say, what has gotten into you? Wow, you're so different. These things begin to to go on. is it so hard to imagine that it would happen with Abram? That good changes would be going on? And that people would say, Abram, what is going on with you? I serve Jehovah now. Man, it's working. And don't you think that there's some people in his family who would be attracted to the God in Abram? I think that they would. And I think they're ready to give up some of the things that they had to go after this and pursue it. So if you are Abram and you are given the command from God, leave your country. What else did he say? Get away from your country? From your family. Is that unclear? Is there anything vague about this? From your family. If there was anything vague about it, we have a second one that goes right along with it. From your father's house. So how is it that Abraham got this confused? Why does he so willingly bring these along? Well, the enemy came in and he clouded the picture. Now, I don't know this for a fact. This is not in the Word of God. But as I meditate on this is the picture that I get. When we get to heaven, we'll find out if I'm right. (laughs) But this is what I begin to see. Abraham is seeing that the God that's in him that has made a difference. 
is making a difference in his family. And his family is leaving some of the idolatry. I can prove this part to you. He's leaving some of the idolatry and is pursuing the things of God. And when he says, I am leaving, Abraham, we want to follow you on this journey. We want to pursue your pursuit of this God and his calling. Now look at the word that was given. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Can you just hear how Satan would mess this up? Abraham, you're supposed to be a blessing. How can you be a blessing to your family and leave them behind? That's not what God called you to do. He called you to be a blessing to them. You need to bring them along. Huh. I do want to be a blessing to him. That is what, that's in the word. Hmm. So he got confused. So he began to think, maybe I need to bring them along. And so when his father takes the reins of this trip, Abraham falls underneath of it. And they make this trip. And his father leads the way because he's the father. But they stop in Haran. For whatever the reason is, they stop in Haran. Now, verse 4, we're going to still come back to the other verses, but so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. There it is, past tense again. Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. God did not say it again. He already said it. He spoke to them in the land of Ur, not in Haran. Because the word was, leave your country. You can only speak that down in Ur of the Chaldeans, not in Haran. He's in Haran right now. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they were in Haran long enough to acquire people and stuff. We're not looking that they stopped for a week. They stopped and may have been there several years. They were there for so long that the family that they left behind made this their home. The rest of Abram's family now resides in Haran. When Abraham had a son, remember his name? Isaac. They did not want to take a wife for him from the Canaanites, from the heathen. So what did they do? They went back to his hometown, not Ur of the Chaldeans. Where'd they go? Haran. Because that's where his relatives are. And they picked a wife from there. What was different about the people in Haran than all the other places? 
the influence of Abram on that family caused them to begin to pursue God and lead the idolatry. I don't know that they were in pursuit of God the way Abram was. But it was a whole lot better than some of the other places that were around. So much so that he says, Abram says, you're going to go up there and that's where you're going to get a wife for my son. So after that, remember there were two sons that were born to Isaac? Remember they got mad at each other? Where did Jacob run off to? Haran, why? Because that's where his relatives are. In fact, when he comes to the well, and some people come to the well, if you go back to the story, we're not covering that chapter, but if you, if you look at it, you will see that people came to the well, and he says, do you know Laban? Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, his daughter's coming with the sheep shortly. And then they saw the, the daughter come, and oh, he fell in love with her, and you know the, the story from that. He knew his family was in Haran. So they went back to Haran. They stopped there for any number of years that they were there, established the residence, and then Abram all of a sudden just says, I'm leaving. Now God did not speak to him in Haran, or the word of God would have said, and God spoke to Abram again. Because doesn't that what it, isn't that what it does? I didn't count them all up, but how many times does God make appearances to Abram? And we get each one recorded. There is a number of times that God appears to Abram and talks to him about things. And so however it is that God made this known to him, he's over there in Haran with his family and it begins to come up in him some more. Remember the word of the Lord? Leave your country. Check. The only one he did. You got the first one. He left the country. But then he kind of got stalled. From your family. Nope. Family's all here. From your father's house. I brought dad along. We got a house. Guess what? His house is now up here. I'm still in or around my father's house. He has not accomplished these two. So it's buzzing around in him. And there's another reason why it's buzzing around in him, which I won't get to until later. Don't let me forget. It's buzzing around in him. I haven't done this yet. I haven't accomplished what God said. That was such a cool word. And if you're the enemy, you got him stalled in Iran with his family, not accomplishing the word of the Lord. Which means, if you don't get him, if you can keep him from doing those first four things, you're going to block God from doing what he said. So the enemy's happy. But he begins to become dissatisfied with Haran. Everything's comfortable. Everything's nice. Everything's going good. But there's this word so I need to, I need to do it. So let's uh, let's think about that that word again. Now the Lord had said to Abram, "Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you." As far as we know, He hasn't shown him the land yet. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great. You shall be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. So this thing is buzzing around inside of Abram all this time. And the devil's trying to keep this thing contained. But finally he says, that's it, I'm leaving. So if you are the enemy, what can you do? We got to get some of the family to make the trip with them. And so he got Lot. Either Abraham had a soft spot for Lot. Lot was ready to, whatever it was. He didn't matter, just so somebody from the family, made the trip. And so Lot connects in and the two of them go on. Has he done what God has said? Well, he left his father's house. But he has not left his family. But now he's on the way to wherever God is going to lead him. So Lot went with him and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. I don't know at this time that they know that that's where they're going, but you're going to see something that will show up that will help you understand. So he still takes quite a crowd. Here's his, here's his assumption he makes. These are okay to take along. It's okay to take my dad. It was okay to take my family. And when I left again, it was okay to take Lot. Did God say it was okay? No. But the enemy comes in in clouds. Do you see how Lot is developing as a man of God? Do you want to squash that? Do you want to be responsible for Lot not following after God because you left? You need to take him along with you. You need to foster him. You need to help him. He looks up to you and through your influence you will make him a man of God. Can you see that kind of thing being said by the enemy? And you swallowing it and going after it? And so he brings Lot along. He's been meditating on this word that God gave him to the point that now he's got to obey and in obeying he doesn't do it. Somehow the enemy got in and messed it up. Has the enemy ever got in and messed it up for you? Have you got a word from God? Two, three, four things to do, to accomplish, whatever purpose or whatever it is that God has told you. And you set out to do the first one and had some success. One after the second one failed miserably. Didn't get it done. Sometimes we get discouraged and we just give up. But we make assumptions along the way. I can't do that. That's beyond my ability. Well, do I have to do it, you know, just like that? Is that, um, is that really what I need to do? I mean, that can't be right that God wants me to leave all these people. That can't be right. Surely God cares about them too. See, all these things come up. The enemy is always trying to challenge the validity of what God has spoken to you. Just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. Has God really said? And he got them into assumptions. What assumptions did they make? Well, when they saw that the tree was good for food, they assumed it was good. They didn't taste it. 
just by looking at it, they decided it was good. That was an assumption, right? They could have gone over and asked the source, God, is that good for food? God said, no. Okay. They were taken care of But they didn't go out after that. They decided to assume, well, it looks good for food. It's appealing. And we do desire to be God's. That's a lot of assumptions. But you see, as soon as they take on those assumptions, they took on the deception. As soon as they took on the deception, they fell prey to the enemy. And Abraham has set himself up to be prey for the enemy. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going still to, toward the south. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. So God says, Leave your country, leave your family, leave your father's house, go to a land that I will show you. All right, we left the father's house, we left the country, we haven't left the family, but now we're here in the promised land. Three out of four can't be too bad, right? Now the enemy's losing the battle here. So he's got to come up with something. And so he has them tour the, the area there and he, he sees there's a famine in the land. This is bad when you have livestock. You got to feed them. There's famine in the land. What are we going to do about the famine? So if you're the enemy and if he is now in the land where he's supposed to be, what is your purpose? We got to get him out. First, you try and keep him in his country. When you failed on that, then what are you going to do next? Try and get as much of his family around him as you can. Because for whatever reason, that's in the directive. We've got to cloud that up. And then when he's finally in the land, we've got to get him out. How can we get him out? Famine. Look at the famine. Can you imagine the thoughts that are coming up? Well, maybe my disobedience... Staying her Haran messed up the timing of God. And maybe now I'm not supposed to be here right now. It's it's later. See that'll yeah, it's an assumption, isn't it? Better set you up for deception. Deception comes in, will neutralize the command of God. And so there was famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt. Kind of even seem like he gave it a second thought. I'm sure there was probably a little bit more to it. So he goes down to Egypt and he dwells there. This must not be the right time for me to be here. The enemy's feeding them with stuff. You're in the right place. It's not the right time. If it was the right time, it wouldn't be famine. Things would be working out for you. It obviously is not the right time. You need to go somewhere else. He don't care where he goes. Just so he's not there. Because that's where the blessing comes. We've got to get you out of there. Verse 11. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife. And they will kill me 
but they will let you live. Please, say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, that I may live because of you. Does he know they're going to kill him? No. He's on his way down there. And the enemy begins to sow some thoughts. That wife of yours is a number. You know people are going to want to take you out so they can get hurt. You know it. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've been thinking about that. And so they're, they're on their way down to Egypt. They're not supposed to go down to Egypt. They're supposed to stay in the land where they are. But he's already given an assumption, opened up to deception. Now he's going down to a place. And now the thought is they're going to kill me. I know it sounds like it's better to stay up in Canaan. But he keeps on going down to Egypt with all the stuff. Lot. All the family. All the sheep, cattle, whatever it is that they got. All that stuff. They're making the trip from Bethel to uh, Egypt. Can you pull our map back up again? This is where they're going. They're going from this area over here where Bethel, this is where they were uh, hanging around. And they're going down here to Egypt. With all that stuff. Do they know that Egypt has food? Maybe they've heard some reports. Whatever it might be. But they, they go on down. That's where they, they head to. After having made this trip. We're going to go on down here. A little bit further. Now if you're God. How many of you are getting a little fed up? How many of you want to go find somebody else? I'm tired of this guy. No matter what. He, four things. Four. How hard? It's four things. Two of them are real similar. How hard is this to do? How do we keep getting this messed up? How do you not understand? Go to Canaan. Stay there. Why, why this deception? How does this get in? Are you sure we picked the right guy? I'm sure they didn't ask that, but you could see where, where God might. Maybe some of the angels are saying, God, this, this is the guy. This is your first round draft pick. Of all the people that are out there, this is the one. He can't do four things. How many years have we been waiting for him to do four things? Four years. But notice this. All the while, God is blessing him. His flocks are increasing. His stuff is increasing. God is blessing him. And yet, he's not quite. Okay, he wants to. But he keeps getting it clouded. He keeps getting the picture clouded. Well, maybe, you know, maybe God wants me to bring them along. I mean, is that so wrong to want to help my, my nephew? Surely this isn't a, a bad thing. Well, we get to verse 15. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. Hey, this new guy in town, he brought some really nice woman along with him. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. Now, can you imagine the strife here? 
Can you imagine going somewhere with your wife and saying she's my sister? Oh, you mind if I bring her to my place? <laughs> sure, go ahead. Yeah, that's going to go over really well. But that's what they do. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Abraham is in complete disobedience. He's gone to a place he's not supposed to go. He's given into deception. He's not trusting God to lead him to the land and take care of him. He's gone on his own plan. I'm going down to Egypt. We're going to hang out there for a little while. So this famine goes away. And then he makes up a story so that they don't kill him because he's not trusting God. And so God looks down on him and he says, let's help him out. How many of you would help him out? How many of you are saying, man, I am not helping you at all. You fix this. You made this problem. You fix it. But he didn't do it. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? More than likely, Pharaoh called in his magicians and his soothsayers. Why are the plagues happening? And they came up with an answer. Because Abraham didn't come clean. Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. They didn't take any of his stuff. They didn't kill him. They didn't take his life. And so he leaves Egypt. Does he leave Egypt because the word of God said to go to Canaan. He leaves Egypt because he got kicked out. <laughs> if it was up to Abram, they'd still be in Egypt. But because he was bad, and got found out, they kicked him out of the country. Where else do I have to go? I'll go back up to Canaan. So he heads back up to Canaan. Not out of obedience to God, out of desperation. You've never done that, right? You've never obeyed God out of desperation? No other choice but to do what God said to do. I don't want to do it, but I have to because I got no other choice. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot went with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. He just keeps getting richer. God keeps pouring out blessing on him. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now how many of you, maybe in all this stuff you're trying to find some things you need for the house, how many of you have made a trip out to three or four grocery stores, a Costco, a Sam's to try and find some things, 
And after an hour, two hours, three hours driving around trying to find stuff, come home and didn't get what you needed. How many feel like, man, what a waste of time. Now think about this. You make a trek from Bethel all the way down to Egypt. Hang out there. And then you make the trek all the way on back and end up at the same place where you were. That's some wasted time. And God's just saying there, you listen to me, you wouldn't have done it. But they did. Verse 5. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock the Canaanites and the Perizzites that dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of the Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. But he was drawn to it. Abram drew him to the things of God and he prospered in that union. But without him being around, he was drawn into the area of Sodom. Now, if you go in the rest of the story, you'll find out that Lot does not adopt the ways of Sodom. In fact, he keeps himself pretty much pure from that, so much so that the people of Sodom feel condemned around him. But you have to get into the whole rest of the story to, to see that. But they... Um, <clears throat> They didn't take to him very well. They saw him as a preacher. So he still held on to the things of God, but he lost all his stuff while he was there. So Abram finally comes up with a solution to separate from the family he was not supposed to bring with him. Does he do it because he is moved with the word of the Lord and wants to obey? He does it, why? Because of strife. Because there's problems in the rank. Wouldn't it be better if he would just say something else? Hey, uh, I'm going to obey God on this. I need to go my own way. He didn't do it. It is possible that Abram is thinking about this word from the Lord. I got four things to do. I have not left my family yet. I'm here in the land. I've left my country. I've left my father's house, but I still have family here. I need to bring that last one into obedience. What can I do? And when he saw the strife, it may be that he saw an opportunity. I can use this strife as a reason for having Lot leave. I don't know if that's what happened. It may have been something that happened. But I want you to see something very stark, very amazing. It will tell you why Abraham pursued God 
in Haran the way that he did. And it comes up here in the next verse. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length, its width, for I will give it to you. The neighbor moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees at Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. From the time in Genesis chapter 12 until this verse, there is something very much missing in the life of Abraham. God did not speak to him. There was one time it said, and the Lord said, and that's when the Lord pointed out the land of Canaan. But you remember the word that he gave him? God held up his end, even though Abraham did not. Go to a land that I will show you. And so when he got in there, the Lord showed him, this is it. But that's the only word he heard from God. He left Ur of the Chaldeans with that word from God. He got up there in Haran. He was there for a while. However many years, we don't know. But God is not speaking to him. God has not given him any more orders. God has not given him any more direction. I know we haven't hit it yet. I know we're not there. But God, what's going on? And he's probably pursuing God. God, what do I need to do? And God doesn't speak to him. You see, because God already did speak to him, and he didn't do it. Four things. Leave your country. Leave your family. Leave your father's house. Go to a land that I will show you. And even though he was in disobedience when he got into the place, God still spoke to him, this is the place. But that's all he had. As soon as Lot leaves the picture, as soon as there is separation, as soon as that happens, what does the word of God say? And God spoke to Abram. What was the holdup in him hearing any more from God? If I do not obey the things that God has already told me, why is God going to speak anything more? I've got to bring myself into obedience to those things that he has spoken to me to do. If I cannot bring myself into obedience to those things that he has already spoken to me, that I've already heard, that I already know about, how am I going to bring myself into obedience to anything else? And until I do those four things in Abraham's list, until he does those four things, he is not in a place to do anything more of what God says. Until he gets to the place where he leaves his country, his family, his father's house, and goes to a country he didn't know about, but God would show him. Until that happens, He is not ready for the next word. Verse 14 again. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot 
had separated. They didn't just leave him. Separated. They made the separation. And he went in his own direction. There may have been other solutions they could have come up with for this. And it may just be that Amos said, this is the best way. I need separation. And as soon as he gets a separation, here comes the word from God. See, if you lack clarity on what God has said, focus on getting in complete obedience to what he did say. Get yourself in complete obedience to what he did say. What did he speak to you? For some of you, it may be, I want you to spend time with me in the morning. Which means you had to get up a little bit earlier. And, uh, all right, well, God, you know, I don't like that word so much. Uh, can I have another? Um, what's, going, what's God going to say? I told you. He's not, he's not going to clarify it. He's not going to need to speak to you again. I already said it. He already said. Spend time with me in the morning. I don't like that one. Go another direction. We've used these ones before too. Eat healthier. Whatever healthier is for you. Exercise. How many have ever heard that one? And found reason after reason why you can't do it. Well, God, I know you told me to exercise, but you know, I just don't have the right shoes. Um, I, I need a treadmill. If you'll bless me with a treadmill, you know that I'll... I'll exercise. I particularly like that, that model. And we look at all these things. If God told me to do something, then I have what I need to do it. Now. Because God does not tell you to do something you cannot do. You can do it. You may not like doing it the way that you have to with what you have. But that's sometimes part of the, part of the learning process. If God has spoken to you to do something, you need to do it. Because until you do it, the next step don't come. You got to go find that next step. God will, God will speak it to you. But notice this. Four things. And how many years it took for him to do this? I don't know. Was it two years? Was it ten years? I don't know how many years it was to get four things lined up. And as soon as he did, It changed. And God spoke to him again. This isn't the end for Abram. He's going to find other ways to cloud the issues of things that God has said. Just like we do. We find reasons to cloud the issue. When God speaks to us, he speaks to us very simply. Do this. Just about every time in the Word of God, we see it. One sentence, two sentences, short sentences. Leave 
your family. It's not hard to understand that. Whenever I think about that, I, I think about one of my favorite movies that we like to watch every single year at Christmas time. Of course, I speak of the Santa Claus. One of my favorite scenes in that movie is when the head elf, I love the character who plays it, but the head elf is trying to explain the Santa Claus to the character of Tim Allen. And he's explained it a couple of times. And, you know, Tim doesn't like the explanation, so he keeps pursuing. And all of a sudden, remember the scene? He turns around and says, Try to understand this. And the whole place goes, Ooh. The things that God tells us to do, folks, they're simple. They're not complex. If you lack clarity, focus on doing what it is that he said to do. Find the assumptions that you have in your life and get rid of them. Because you have brought in some assumptions, they have brought in deception. And they're clouding the issue. Every assumption that Abram made led him to direct disobedience to the word God gave him. Every single assumption he made led him to directly disobey what God had said. God gave him his borders. He gave him his boundaries. In a few short commands, he told him how to operate. Look how easy it was for Satan to confuse it. But God saw Abram as a great man. Great man of faith, great calling, a great impact on the world. But how easy was it for him to be persuaded by the enemy? It seemed effortless for the enemy just to persuade him and get him off. We can stand back and we can look at the, the story we're not just talking any run-of-the-mill Christian here. This is the one God handpicked to funnel all the blessings that he wanted to send to the world were coming through this man. And he can't get four things right. No matter how simple God's word is to you, just like last week, How simple of a word did Jesus say? Let us go to the other side. Can you get any simpler than that? Did the enemy come along and cloud that? Maybe he didn't mean the other side. Maybe he meant the bottom. But Jesus was very clear. Let us go to the other side. Six words. Master wants to go to the other side. He doesn't want to go to the bottom. But he throws a storm and all of a sudden everybody's confused. No matter how simple God's word is, the enemy will work to do three things. First off, he's going to work to corrupt its message. He's going to try and corrupt it. He's going to take the simple phraseology that God has. He's going to alter it a little bit. Leave your family, except those who want to pursue me. Right? 
Leave your family except for the good ones. Leave your family except you write in your own blank. Didn't he do that? Didn't he find exceptions for each of them? Go to the land that I will show you. But it's okay if you head on down to Egypt afterwards. Because the land's in famine. The enemy is going to try and corrupt the message. Just like he did with Adam and Eve. Has God really said? All right, that's the first thing he's going to try and do. Corrupt its message. The second thing, he wants to lessen its importance. Is it really important? I mean, how much does it really matter that you leave your whole family? Is it really going to hurt to take one along with you? The one who's the most sensitive to the things of God? Is that really going to hurt you? Take one along with you? Come on. That didn't really mean all that much. Leave your father's house? Look how much of a change you brought about in your your father. You want to leave that behind? It's going to try and lessen the importance of whatever it is that God has said. But God spoke to you. And if God told you to do certain things, what you should do? Exactly what God said. If you have been a boss in any, uh, any place and you've got employees that go around and you say, do this. And you come back and it's not done. Why didn't you do that? Well, I saw that this needed to be done. I didn't tell you to do that. I told you I needed this. Are you happy? Are you happy for all the extra things that he got done? No, because you needed this. From your perspective, this was the most important thing. But they decided something else was more important. And they went with it. Following directions is tough. Because it always seems like, even when somebody comes, I need this done this way for this reason something will come along to cloud the issue. Well, I can't do it exactly the way the boss wants me to, but I can do it this way. And we're kind of happy. You can think of a really well-known example of this. When Saul comes back from the battle and he's happy, we have done all that the Lord commanded. And what's the prophet saying? And what is this bleeding of sheep that I hear? Oh, well, the people kept some of the best of the sheep to sacrifice to our God. And we all know the phrase. The Lord is more pleased with obedience than sacrifice. He wants people who will obey. doesn't care how much you sacrifice. Because look how much Abram sacrificed, making all that extra trip. He sacrificed, but he didn't obey. God doesn't care how much we give up. He cares about what we did. 
He needs somebody who will do what he says. Corrupt its message, lessen its importance, or make it seem impossible to do. He will make it seem like there is no way you can accomplish what God has said. There's too many obstacles in the way. When Israel stood before the Red Sea, did it seem impossible? When they stood before Canaan and Jericho, did it seem impossible? When kings faced armies that they were outnumbered in, did it seem impossible? And this is what the enemy wants to sell you on. And just as he did with the army of Israel when Goliath came down and made the challenge, he seemed impossible. But one person stood up and said, that's not impossible. That's doable. And he went out in the battlefield and he did it. Three main things. There might be some of the things he may try and do. He's going to try and corrupt the message that you heard from God. He's going to try and lessen its importance. And if that doesn't work, he's going to try and make it seem that it's impossible for you to do. The only way you can stay with this is if you do daily maintenance on whatever it is that God has spoken to you. Before that, go back into the book of Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. So keep it before your eyes. When God has spoken something to you, you need to keep it in front. What has God said? What has God said to you? Now the enemy is going to try and say, you have been disobedient for too long. You have messed up. He's done with you. But if he wasn't done with Abraham, he is not done with you. He's ready to take you on. All he needs is you to obey. Now I want to ask you this question. If you were God and you've been waiting years, five years, ten years, fifteen, whatever number of years, for the guy to finally do four things, four, four things, finally he gets done the fourth thing. How many of you are saying, well, that's special. I'll just make you wait for a little while now for the next part. How many of you do that? How many of you are going to make him wait for a little while before you give him the next part? Come on, be honest. I'm making the boy wait. I don't know how many years. I'm thinking years. I'm thinking you just, you just stay there for a little while. You made me wait. But as soon as Lot made the separation, God speaks to him. Does that show you the heart of God? But you see, the enemy has sold you on a bill of goods that God has done with you. God is tired of your disobedience. And God is moving on to someone else. But I tell you what, God's not tired. 
all the mistakes David made, God still stayed with him because his heart was in the right place. Abraham, he's messing up, but God says, the guy's heart's in the right place. Keep your heart right. You get somebody like Saul, his heart was not in the right place. And his dis- disobedience had a different end result. God loves you. But take that word that he has spoken to you and maintain it. You may say, well, my word only has one thing for me to do. Glory to God. Just do the one thing. Go back to what it is that God said. Take exactly what God said. That's why whenever you get revelation, whether God wakes you up in the middle of the night, speaks to you during driving, whatever, when he gives you revelation, write it down. Don't write it down as you understand it. Never write down a revelation as you understand it. Write it down as he said it. Because understanding will come later. Your understanding of what God spoke to you right now is a fraction of what it will be. If you write down what you understand, you will miss what God said. Write down exactly what he said. And keep coming back to it. Put it in a place where it cannot be destroyed. It cannot be lost. It cannot get corrupted. Keep coming back to it. What did God say? If you got one thing, if you got two things, if you got three things, whatever it is, do them. Go back to that story with Saul. How many things did he was he assigned on that battle? Take a look at it. There wasn't many. And he couldn't do it. Would y'all stand up with me? Father, I thank you that in this story we see your love for us. We see your patience. And you're not ready to give up. I thank you for it. Some of us have not followed after the word that you gave us, not done the thing that you said to do, allowed it to be corrupted, allowed it to seem less important, or we view it as completely impossible. Father, you're here to help us. Help expose the assumptions we've made and the deceptions that they have brought in. And once we get the deceptions out of the way, clarity will come. I thank you for it. I pray for each person here and each person watching online that those assumptions that are in their life right now And they are there. That your word will bring them to light. They will have the courage to let them go. To accept the truth that has been hidden from them because of the assumptions. And that truth will set free some things 
that had previously been locked up. Give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.